the WWE Elimination Chamber episode of Americana, The American Way. I am Big John. Um, if you want to find me on social media, it is at the real underscore Big John on Twitter and Getter. On Parlor, I parlay at the real Big John, all one word. And the name of the podcast and the Rumble channel is Americana the American Way. So today's premium live event, which used to be called a pay per view, but since most people a lot of people, some people, uh, have gone the route of the Peacock Network, uh, live stream, whatever you call it. Uh, There's a watered-down version of the WWE Network included in that. And for $4.99 a month, you get... Uh, like I said, uh, a very watered-down, I feel piss-poor version of what used to be the WWE Network. And then you get all of the WWE pre- live premium live events. I have to write it down so I can remember how to say it. Now... You really can't say much or talk. You can't say anything about uh, the events from Saudi Arabia without getting a little bit political. Uh, It is controversial when WWE does one of these events in Saudi Arabia. And I think they're doing two this year. Elimination Chamber being the first. And then uh, in the fall-ish of the year, they'll do the Crown Jewel show. Uh, A few years ago... um, The Saudi government, the new king, or one of the many princes, not not to be confused with princesses, princes, prince, princes of Saudi Arabia, uh, gave the WWE, I believe, it was a hundred million dollars over ten years, or some ridiculous amount of money, to put these shows on. And uh, the Saudi people are, they love it. Uh, And Saudi Arabia is slowly becoming what's known in politics as westernized. uh, A little more like the United States and Europe and the uh, more modern countries when it comes to the rights of their people 
letting people enjoy themselves. Um, see, we take it, I'm trying not to get real political, but there is a lesson to be learned here. A lot of Americans take for granted that every place in the world is like America, and it's just not. Yeah, you know, for a long time there was a code in Saudi Arabia of, you know, this is how men dress, this is how women dress. And in a lot of places it is still that way in Saudi Arabia. But uh, the major city of Jeddah, they are trying to become the example for the rest of Saudi Arabia and trying to get the rest of the country to uh, modernize. You know, women finally, a few years ago, got the right to drive a car by themselves. Uh, It wasn't very many years ago women were not allowed to drive. You know, if you want to drive a car today, what freedom are you going to want tomorrow? Are you going to be, are you going to want to date men that that have not been chosen for you by your family what's next you know then you're going to want to have sex and maybe bear children outside of wedlock why my god that would be horrific uh and you know everyone's entitled to their opinions on those things the thing is in saudi arabia you were not entitled to your opinion it was strict Muslim Sharia law and you can sound out the word Sharia and Google it Google will find it for you no matter how badly you spell it so I'm not going to go there because that would be like hours of me talking um, old school Muslim Koran Quaran law, uh, and I don't feel like doing that on this podcast. Not when it's supposed to be about wrestling. But uh, the first event they did from Saudi Arabia uh, was the it was called the Greatest Royal Rumble, and I think it was the heading was Crown Jewel, the Greatest Royal Rumble, and they had a a Royal Rumble with like 50 wrestlers. And right before that, there was a Saudi journalist who left Saudi Arabia and was printing, publishing all sorts of bad things about Saudi Arabia and the government. And... He went into the Saudi embassy in Turkey and came out in several duffel bags. So, this has been a very controversial thing. Some wrestlers will not go. Uh, I think most of those guys have left the company like Daniel Bryan was one that I will not go to Saudi Arabia um Sammy Zayn 
I almost said Stevie Ray Vaughan for some reason. But Sami Zayn uh, is not allowed to go. Be- even though he's Canadian, he, like he's a Canadian citizen, he has Syrian heritage in his bloodline. Uh, and I don't know how Syrian he is. You know, half, 75%, 100%, whatever. His parents are Syrian nationals, or at least one of them is. And he's not allowed in Saudi Arabia by their government. Uh, so this... What... Uh, this prince who has shelled out a bunch of money to bring wrestling to Saudi Arabia is doing is trying to get Western culture and trying to open the world's eyes up to Saudi Arabia and that it's no longer this repressive, oppressive regime that uh, it's known as in the Western world. And I I noticed this time, even in the audience, some of the women were not wearing typical, like, female Muslim attire. Uh, they, they weren't showing a lot of skin. They were, you know, covered from neck to toe. But... They weren't wearing um, burkas. Uh, at least that's what I thought I caught a few glimpses of. They didn't have their hair covered and things like that, like normal. Um, but anyways, I could have been wrong. Maybe it was just like a kind of really cute guy with long hair. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Also, uh, something unique Arabs and Jews technic typically do not get along uh, by choice of the Arabs uh, depending on who you ask of course if you asked an Arab they would say no the Jews hate us and if you ask the Jews who I'm preferential to uh, they say no the Arabs want to kill us all But you have people like Bill Goldberg, a Jewish man in Saudi Arabia. Um, Little big known fact of history. Osama bin Laden was a friend to the United States until the Saudi Arabian government allowed the United States to... Um, open military bases in Saudi Arabia during the 1990-91 Desert Storm or the first Gulf War, whatever you want to call it. Um, Osama said, you're letting these, these filthy Americans step their filthy Jew feet on sacred Muslim soil. And then he hated Americans and spent most of the 1990s killing Americans culminating on September 11th um, 
So, American Christians, to some, are viewed as Jews, and there's a very twisted, small fragment of Muslims that are radicalized into thinking that if you're not Muslim, you ain't right, and you have to be dealt with harshly, let's say. And Saudi Arabia is trying to change that image. They're trying to become more Western-like, more modern, okay? And the WWE is a part of that. And the focal section of Saudi Arabia where the change is starting is Jeddah. And I have talked way too much about Saudi politics, but tried to dummy it down as best I could prior to the point you think I'm a dummy but I studied this shit in college and it fascinates me my major was political science with a focus on international relations Um, so anyhow without getting off on that Here we go. Let's get into the wrestling. So, uh, I'm watching the replay, thinking I'm going to maybe enjoy it better the second time around. Uh, The last year or so, I've kind of had this motto or saying that... The bookings and the storylines in WWE are horrendous, but the pay-per-view or premium live event performances are fantastic. The wrestlers put themselves all the way out there. I really didn't feel that way this time. And I don't know if it's because I was because I was not feeling good today and was tired. Uh, the first time I watched it, uh, or or what it was, just maybe just too much on my mind. But the show opened. You know, they had the pre-show, and uh, I'm pretty sure the pre-show is somehow pre-recorded. Uh, it was it was it was Caleb Braxton and two dudes in a studio. And then they threw, they pitched it over to Saudi Arabia live. And we had The Miz versus Rey Mysterio. And I'm a fan of both The Miz and Rey Mysterio. Uh, man, Rey Mysterio just makes me feel old. Uh, I remember when he was this... You know, it, well, young, skinny. Uh, he's still very small, but he's jacked, built, buff, diesel. Um, and he covers it up in a bodysuit. Um, but anyways, we had The Miz versus Rey Mysterio. Um, 
great at all his high flying fast moves. The meal the Miz does great heel work uh, with just you know stopping the baby faces, momentum, cheating, of course. Uh, it was just a good wrestling match altogether. Uh, wasn't anything spectacular, wasn't something that, you know, I really popped a lot for, but it was just a good wrestling match. Um, next came, and I wrote this little note without real, even realizing it. Uh, I don't know, I had some psychic abilities today. Uh, Goldberg is too old. He looks old. But the Saudi prince must like him. <laughs> so, uh, this is one thing about the internet and YouTube. It's opened a lot of doors. To a lot of people to see the world. Um see that the world isn't what the Saudi government tells its people that the world is. And, uh, you know, I sit there and go, man, Bill Goldberg was like 1997, 98 <laughs> popularity. Uh, I mean, you know, his star really faded by 2000. But then I realized people in Saudi Arabia are probably just now seeing the old clips of WCW when he was a badass. <laughs> but uh, I really worry about the safety of anyone that he wrestles. When he was in his prime, he was still so green. He was injuring people, most famously ending Bret Hart's career with... Uh, when he tried to do a super kick, but he didn't know how to work it, so he actually kicked Brett's head off. Uh, so I wrote here, you know, Goldberg versus Roman. Didn't even know that was the next, the first real match on the main card. Uh, I worry for Roman's safety, uh, but the Saudi fans love Goldberg. Uh, Roman Reigns wins by choking Goldberg out with the guillotine uh, chokehold. Goldberg does not like to lose. And it's it's like, okay, dude, you're, you're old. You cannot carry a world championship or the universal championship or whatever it's called. You just can't do it anymore. And no one wants to see you do it anymore. So they had to have him pass out to a chokehold to keep him happy. Uh, and again, my psychic ability. Uh, you know, there. this was the first time ever for one of these events that... Uh, of the three or four that the WWE has done where the billboards advertising the event featured women. And women have been very oppressed in Saudi Arabia. Uh, 
and they're just now starting to get some rights. But uh, even the women who wrestled, uh, even down to Lady Ref Jess, as she is known, had to be covered from neck to toe. Uh, Now this time they didn't have to wear t-shirts over their wrestling attire. But they were in full body suits or onesies or something. Um, in fact, I'm looking at Rhea Ripley right now. Uh, and, I mean, they've got everything covered from the chin down. They're not even allowed to show their necks, really. Which is interesting because the way Rhea chose to cover her neck is with a uh, spiked fetish looking dog collar kind of thing but okay so you have uh, Bianca Belair Dewdrop Liv Morgan Rhea Ripley Alexa Bliss who is somewhere between Little Miss Bliss and the fiend Alexa Bliss characters Uh, and then you had Nikki Cross in this match Um, I already noted that the women are covered from neck to toe, can't even show their arms, okay? All you can see is their faces and their hands, at least for now. Uh, The match starts out with uh, Liv Morgan and and Nikki Cross. Uh, See here. Alexa Bliss's pod had a swing in it for some reason. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, the third person to enter the ring was Dewdrop. Dewdrop is a very intriguing character to me. She's a big girl. And I'm not body shaming because I'm a big old boy too. I think Dewdrop's actually very pretty. But she wears she wears tight outfits. And that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna go there. Um The women put on a good match. They beat the hell out of each other. They used the Elimination Chamber as a weapon, which is what it's kind of there for. Uh, I noted, I don't think this will make Saudi girls want to grow up to be wrestlers. (laughs) The fourth person in the chamber was Rhea Ripley. Uh, We hadn't had any eliminations to this point. Uh, The first person eliminated was... Rhea, or pardon me, Nikki Cross. She was pinned by Rhea. Um, then Alexa Bliss comes in and cleans house. You have Dewdrop eliminated by Liv Morgan. Then Bianca Belair comes in. Uh, you have Liv Morgan, then eliminated by Alexa Bliss. Uh, uh, by pinfall after 
Alexa hit the Twisted Bliss off the top of the pod. Uh, Rhea Ripley then gets eliminated by uh, the Kiss of Death, KOD, and is pinned by uh, Bianca Belair. Then, uh, let's see here. There, you're down to Alexa and Bianca. Uh, Bianca wins with the KOD to Alexa Bliss by pinfall. So now Bianca will fight Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Kind of gave away a spoiler there. Uh, Bianca Belair will fight for the women's title at WrestleMania. Halfway through this match, the crowd was chanting, This is awesome. And I think that's pretty cool that the Saudi Arabia crowd picked up on the uh, American chants and cheers. Uh, one thing that struck me is how are how does Saudi Arabia how do the Saudi people know and see the WWE when you know their women uh, are not allowed to dress the way the American women dress on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. Uh, they, the WWE did a lot of social work while they were there. They did some interaction with the Saudi Special Olympians and they visited kids in schools. Uh, one little girl was showing her selfie with Liv Morgan and she said, I got a selfie with Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan is my favorite. Um, but Liv Morgan dresses on television in America in a way that is illegal for women to dress in Saudi Arabia. So, but somehow, you know, the kids over there see and are getting... They're getting modernized. They're getting westernized. I always tell the story. Um, in my line of work, I get to meet people from all over the world sometimes. And I, uh, every time I meet a girl from a Middle Eastern country uh, or an, uh, an Asian country, they talk about how much they like it here in the United States because they have rights and these girls are seeing these American women doing things that are illegal for them to do and it's slowly going to work its way into the culture that women can do all the things that the men can do so criticize WWE what you will for taking Saudi Arabian blood money or whatever. They're spreading culture. They're spreading women's rights. They're spreading world peace through wrestling. But you never thought you'd hear wrestling and world peace in the same sentence, huh? So next up, we had Charlotte Flar. Uh, Ashley Fleer, Charlotte Flair, 
and Sonia Deville, who is gorgeous, uh, versus Ronda Rousey and Naomi. Uh, Naomi is one of the best athletes, probably in the women's wrestling. Uh, it's be- between Bianca Belair and Naomi as to who the best female athlete is. The best female wrestlers are by far Serena Deeb, who is not in WWE, thank God, because she's too good for their shit, uh, and Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is probably the best worker in women's wrestling, and Serena Deeb is the best technical wrestler. But anyhow, I digress. Uh, Ronda Rousey wore her 2008 judo gi that she wore to the Olympics where she won the bronze medal, which is a major accomplishment for a female judo athlete from the United States. She also had to wrestle with one arm tied behind her back uh, because she supposedly injured Sonya Deville's arm. So as soon as the ref tied Rhonda's arm behind her back, Sonya's arm miraculously was healed. <laughs> Again, it's wrestling. Come on. Sonya's the bad guy. She has to cheat, right? Uh, so Ronda Rousey actually... did rather well uh, for having one arm tied behind her back and uh, she used her head, her feet, anything and everything as a weapon. It was pretty cool. She did a a, a good job. I was afraid somehow Ronda Rousey is going to cause an international incident. Pardon me. Now, Ronda wrestled this match barefoot. Um, But under her judo gi, she had on a full head to ankle, or neck to ankle bodysuit. I just don't understand what the point of wrestling barefoot was. But anyhow, she wrestled barefoot. So, um, I just noted, you know, Charlotte shows why she's the best worker in WWE. She may be the best worker in WWE, period, men or women, honestly. Uh, she, Charlotte, you know, went after Ronda's good arm or the one that wasn't tied behind her back. Uh, Rhonda ends up making Sonya tap to an arm bar after Charlotte refuses to jump in and save her partner. So, good match for what it was. Um, I was not super impressed. Uh, like I said, maybe on my second watching I'll be more impressed. Like I'm what right now they're showing the women's elimination chamber. And, you know, Nikki Cross climbed up the side of the chamber 
even though it's got a roof on it and you really can't get out. But she was running from Rhea Ripley and Rhea climbed up right next to her and you know banged her head off the chains a few times. And then uh, Nikki Cross fell backwards into, pardon me, into Alexa Bliss and Dewdrop. Um, pretty interesting spot. I think if it were the guys, a guy would have just taken the bump onto the, the steel floor of the elimination chamber. But there's the first elimination, Rhea Ripley eliminating uh, Nikki Ash or Nikki Cross. Uh, next was Drew McIntyre versus Mad Cap Moss. Uh, I said this is the bathroom break match of the night and that Drew McIntyre deserves better than this. He carried the company through the pandemic. He was the world champion of the pandemic year. And I thought he was he's a great worker. He can sell, he can he's got great the great ability to sell as a baby face and make you think he's really really hurting. How is he gonna get back? How's he gonna make his comeback? And then of course he does. Uh this was uh Falls count anywhere, no disqualification match. Um, I think Lady Ref Jess was the ref for this one. Um, so it starts out with uh, Baron Corbin jumping in there doing a Pearl Harbor job on Drew McIntyre. Uh, and that was kind of the story of the match. It was a two-on-one, but Drew overcame it and uh, one with the Claymore kick, uh, and he held his sword Angela out while he put his foot on Madcap Moss's chest for the pen. Uh, the purpose of the sword, other than it's his gimmick, was to keep uh, Baron Corbin at bay. Um, I don't get this Madcap Moss. I understand everybody needs to have their personality turned up to 10, but <clears throat> he could have, if he's like a joker or a, 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 a ribber backstage, there are ways to bring that into his character without having him wear a silly hat and be called Madcap Moss. Whatever. Not important.
Alright, sorry, mind drifting. We missed something. Uh, the cameras cut to the announce desk and Michael Cole was saying something. And then all of a sudden a bunch of commercials for upcoming shows on the Peacock Network started running. And then when we came back to the premium live event, there was a backstage interview just ending. And all you see is the, the uh, announcer or interviewer, whatever the hell you call him, uh, putting his microphone down towards his waist. And then they cut back to the announce desk and... The announcer's like, well, we wonder who that was. And so was everyone else because nobody saw it. At least in the United States because we were all watching commercials for the Peacock. Uh, the next match is Becky Lynch versus Lita. Uh, I, and I, I didn't expect a lot out of this match, but it was a good match. Uh, you know, Lita still has it. Uh, she still was able to do her Lita Kamrana or Hurricanrana or Frankensteiner. Um, not as good as she did, you know, 15 years ago, but she still got it a little bit. Um, she had a lot of ring rust. She's not as fast and agile as she used to be. I noticed that. But she hasn't wrestled a match in like 16 years. Uh, she obviously hasn't been practicing. I mean, she probably practiced a little between uh, the Royal Rumble and uh, this premium live event. But that's not enough time when you've had 16 years off. Uh, she was blown up right away. I mean, a few minutes into the match, and you could see she was like breathing through her mouth, puffing air. And Becky was, like, not even breaking a sweat yet. Uh, the, ch the crowd was chanting, let's go Lita. Or, yeah, let's go Lita. Which I thought was awesome that they knew who Lita was. Uh, like I said before, they're probably watching old reruns of WWE on YouTube. And Lita is probably almost new to them. And remember when she was first with S.A. Rios and the Hardy Boys, she was pulling moves you never saw a woman wrestler do. You didn't really see a lot of the guys doing them except like Rey Mysterio and a few others. But Lita was trained in uh, Lucha Libre in Mexico. So uh, Becky Lynch wins with the manhandle slam. Uh, it was a good match. Lita held her own. Uh, the crowd was popping for her so much. Lita really looked disappointed at the end of the match. Like she, some reason she thought she was going to go over maybe. I don't know. But she looked like she was really disappointed in losing. Uh, but she, she left the ring and then came back in to the ring a, a few seconds later because the crowd was chanting for her. So she kind of did an encore bow to the crowd, uh, got up on the turnbuckle and, you know, gave the crowd the high sign uh, and then made her way out of the ring and was, 
you know, hugging kids. Kids were running up to little Saudi Arabian girls. This is what I love about this. This is a country, if you know its history, little girls were not allowed to learn to read and write until recent years. And here you have these these little girls, you know, they look like 12 or 13 years old, running up to this wrestler who's in her 40s and giving her hugs that you know fuck you and your politics that that's that's a beautiful thing that's beautiful to me to see people that for the majority of my life being a political nerd following saudi and international politics that have been oppressed had very little, had no rights. Uh, women had no rights, pardon me. Um, and now, you know, they can jump and hug and show emotion uh, in public to another female. When you have countries where they're so... Where they're so... Uh, and in some parts of Saudi Arabia, they're so strict to a strict set of Muslim codes, old old laws that they throw gay people off of buildings. They stone people to death still for. Uh, being seen in public with a man who's not your husband. And here these little girls are allowed to go up to a, a female, an older white female that they uh, idolize and show emotion and give hugs and kisses. Uh, you know, not like make-out kisses, but you know, like a kiss on the cheek or just, you know, that's beautiful. That's that's love. That's world peace. All right. Next, we were supposed to have the Viking Raiders versus the Usos, uh, but I think they were pinched for time for some reason, and the Usos attacked the Viking Raiders on the way to the ring. The Viking Raiders got a huge pop. When their music, their entrance hit, and they came out, they the crowd really loved them. I was rather shocked that they liked the Viking Raiders that much. I mean, I liked the Viking Raiders. I liked them when they were War Machine a lot better. But whatever, you know. Uh, but the Usos, you know, did a Pearl Harbor job on them uh, as they got close to the ring. So the match didn't occur. The Viking Raiders were declared ineligible to compete. Or whatever. So then we have the men's elimination chamber match. Yeah, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle versus Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins. Um... So Theory and Rollins start out the match. Uh, Theory gets buckle-bombed by 
Rollins into Bobby Lashley's pod. And then Bobby Lashley is supposedly hurt. Uh, it, and to, I bought it for a minute, for a few minutes. Um, I thought he would come back out or something. But at first, I don't know if it was just the way Bobby Lashley sweats, but when the glass broke, it looked like his arm was cut or something. Uh, then the announcers started selling. Bobby Lashley has a concussion. The, well, they were saying, oh no, it looked like Bobby Lashley's head hit the steel guard post of the it's not a steel guard post it's just part of the pod but anyways so Bobby Lashley hit his head that was their excuse uh, wrestling what is it dirt sheets radio posted on their Facebook page 45 minutes ago uh, maybe longer than that now an hour or two ago that Bobby Lashley has a legit shoulder injury and has to get surgery. Uh, he's been injured since Royal Rumble, and he'll be out for month four, the number four, one, two, three, four months. So that was the reason for Lashley being injured, in air quotes, before or he could get into the elimination chamber. Uh, the third man getting into the chamber ended up being Matt Riddle. Uh, Bobby Lashley was getting medical attention at this time. I put a question mark because I wasn't sure if it was an angle that he was hurt or if it was legit. Because I still at this point I thought uh, it looked like when the chamber broke it cut or when the pod broke it may have cut him somehow. Uh, fourth man in was AJ Styles. Uh, Matt Riddle at this point is uh, cleaning house on everybody. He's channeling his inner Randy Orton, doing all of Randy's moves. Uh, the fifth man into the chamber ends up being Brock Lesnar. The buzzer went off and, the, and Bobby Lashley's pod lit up. And this is the point where the announcers said, Bobby Lashley can't continue because of concussion protocol. So, instead of waiting around, Brock Lesnar breaks out of his pod, kicks the plexiglass out, um, and he went in when it was Bobby Lashley's turn. Brock cleans house. He quickly eliminates Seth Rollins and AJ Styles with uh, the F5. Uh, first he got Seth, then he got AJ. So Theory starts running for his life from Brock Lesnar. Uh, Austin Theory runs into one of the pods and tries to lock the door behind him. Uh, Lesnar breaks into the uh, pod and suplexes Theory. Uh, Theory hits Lesnar with a low blow to get some offense in. He got a few drop kicks and a couple other moves in. 
before Lesnar started making his comeback. Theory then tries to climb the chamber and starts trying to squeeze his way between the chains that are the top of the chamber, the like the roof of the chamber. And he was about halfway out and Brock Lesnar like jumped up on the chamber and like ran up the chains to grab Austin Theory. I was rather impressed with Lesnar's athleticism. I didn't think a big guy it looked like a big ape climbing a big ass tree or something in the jungle. But he he climbed up that cage quick, like ran up the cage and grabbed Theory and pulled him back in. Uh, and they were on top of the pod. And Lesnar gave Austin Theory the F5 from the top of the pod to the steel floor of the chamber. Uh, and then he rolled uh, Theory into the ring and pinned him for the win. So Brock Lesnar is the WWE champion now. So it will be champion versus champion at WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Uh, they were saying Bobby Lashley is out with concussion protocol. Um, I said it's just a work for Brock Lesnar to win without actually beating Bobby Lashley. So that you keep Bobby Lashley strong and unbeaten for a future feud with Brock Lesnar. Uh, in actuality, evidently, Lashley has a legitimate injury. So overall, it was a good show. A good card. Um, you had, let's see, there's four women in the ring now. You had Becky Lynch, Lita, and then the six women that were in the elimination chamber. So all together, you had 12 women on the show. Uh, Natty Neidhart went over there with them to do public relations stuff, but she did not wrestle. So you had 12 women wrestling on a, a show, a, a premium live event in a country where women's rights are not existent, or at least have not been existent until recently. So, for all the heat that the WWE takes for taking the Saudi blood money and going over there and performing in a country that's traditionally known uh, for being repressive of its people, yeah, Saudi Arabia has a lot of problems politically and has a long way to go before they can be considered a westernized uh, or a modern country. But this was a big leap forward for women's rights in that country. The little girls, the women of that country got to taste or at least see a taste of the freedom that American women have. 
and the thing I like most about these shows, even though people, like I said, criticize WWE and Vince for taking uh, this prince's money and going over there and performing these shows uh, for all the problems and political uh, BS that a, a, a country that's not not modern it's not you know it's not like America they don't have a lot of the rights and things that we take for granted but this really pushed freedom and set an example and showed people what freedom and Americana uh, is. So that that's my take on the Saudi show. It was a good good wrestling show. You know, it had its high points, its low points. You can say a lot of things. You know, could have been better, but. The storylines, the matches built, I felt, to other storylines down the road. Uh, and the wrestlers did put on a great show. Now that I'm watching it for a second time, uh, overall and sideways, they put on a good pay-per-view, a good premium live event, whatever. Uh, the Goldberg-Reigns match was nothing to write home about. But Bill Goldberg has never been able to have a match to write home about. But then again, here you have a Jewish man uh, with Paul Heyman, another Jewish man at ringside, uh, in an Arab country where Jewish people are not typically welcome. So, slow but sure progress being made uh, through professional wrestling. Make fun of wrestling fans, make fun of wrestlers, call it fake, call it phony, call it what you will. Do you have the courage to go to Saudi Arabia and spread freedom and show people what uh, what Americans look like and be goodwill ambassadors for the United States and show young women who five, ten, one year ago had no rights what it's like to have rights and freedom and do exactly what the men do. Alright, God bless y'all. It's been almost an hour. I've been talking about wrestling and Saudi Arabian politics. Y'all have a good night. Pray for each other. This has been Big John on Americana, the American way. God bless you. Stay